0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Scott Mitchell, filling in for Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Personal text messages between Brittany Higgins and her partner, David Shiraz, have been splashed through the news for days, reopening questions about the lead-up to the interview when Higgins first went public with the allegation she was raped in a ministerial office. The Coalition says the texts show evidence of collusion and weaponisation on the part of the Labor government. But as the political scandal spirals, the source of the texts, the motives for leaking them, and the consequences of them being published have mostly gone unexamined. Today, contributing editor to the politics at themonthly.com.au, Rachel Withers, on the Brittany Higgins leak. And what it really says about our media. It's Wednesday, June 14. Rachel, last week we've seen Brittany Higgins's personal text messages leaked to the media, and we've seen more and more detail emerge over days of coverage. What do we know about how these texts? Something. Higgins never would have imagined would be made public, ended up being published for all to see.
1: Yeah, so these text exchanges were mostly published by the Australian newspaper. That's where it started. It's being led by the Australian reporter Janet Albrexon, who has been going hard against Brittany Higgins for some time. They're mostly text messages that were stored on Higgins phone, which were handed over as evidence in the criminal trial against Bruce Lerman. They're Source of the leak is unclear, but it's pretty clear that they came from the criminal trial, which of course was discharged last year due to Dura misconduct, but Bruce Lerman has always strenuously maintained his innocence. There are multiple private messages between Higgins and her partner David Shiraz uh, discussing the coverage of the case and there were texts that were sent before Brittany first went public with her allegation And that was on February 15, 2021, first in a news.com.au article and then in an interview that aired later that evening on Channel 10's The Project. And also included in the leaks is a recording of a conversation between Higgins, Shiraz, Lisa Wilkinson from The Project and her producer, Angus Llewellyn.
0: Was there any time between Sunday morning waking up Mm. um, where you thought, yeah, I should call the cops about this?
1: No, I was, I was too scared, on the basis of who it was, on the basis of where I worked. And they and talk you know, about all sorts of topics, including how best to frame the story. So the words that are swirling around in your head as a Liberal Party staffer at that point in time was, the Liberal Party's got a women problem. Yeah. And you were mm. about to, you be know, those be the cherry on the top of the women problem cake. Yeah, I know. Which Labor MPs might be sympathetic to her case. Oh, certainly Albo. Yeah, just, Alba's a bit of a dead duck at the moment, but anyway. Well, he's in a car crash, they've got a lot of coverage out of that. Um, but thoughts. what they all really go to is the lead up to that disclosure and the moment the allegation came public and who knew what when.
0: Right. And these text messages, they are, as you say, from Brittany Higgins's phone. and And we know Higgins was hesitant about handing her phone over to police during the criminal investigation. Rachel, Isn't information like this, if it's handed over to police, meant to remain private and used to help investigators, not leaked to the newspapers?
1: Absolutely. And Brittany Higgins was really apprehensive about giving her phone over to police, and that was one of the reasons that allegedly police formed a view that she was an unreliable witness. But a lot of that apprehensiveness was because she feared that her private conversations would become public and would be used against her, and this obviously confirms those fears. Some of the contents of the phone was part of the brief of evidence at the trial. Presumably anyone with access to that brief could have leaked it. So that means the Department of Public Prosecutions, the ACT Police, Bruce Lerman's defence lawyers or other third parties. And under what's known as the Harmon Principle, lawyers who obtain material provided under subpoena in a court proceeding are precluded from providing it to others. And if a document is leaked to the media... Outlets who report on that content could risk being in contempt of court for publishing it unless it's in the public interest. Um, Lawyers for Lerman have denied that he leaked the content and a judge in another matter, the defamation trial that's still going on involving Channel 10, the judge in that case refused to uh, administer interrogatories or refused to basically demand that Lerman answer questions under oath about whether it was him who leaked it. But it is clear someone has leaked them, and it's not at all clear that it was in the public interest to do so.
0: Right. So we could see legal ramifications for yeah. this in the coming weeks.
1: And I think we've, we've seen something this week that Channel 10 has sent a legal notice to the ACT police over the leak of the tape.
0: So then, Rachel, these text messages, they've caused debate actually inside Parliament House. Their contents have real political consequences. So tell me a bit about what's in these text messages.
1: So I think one of the main texts that is causing political ramifications is one that was sent on the 11th of February 2021. David Shiraz texted Brittany Higgins saying, Katie is going to come to me with some questions you need to prepare for. She's really invested now. Ha ha. Katie, of course, means Katie Gallagher, who is the current finance minister. Shiraz goes on to say, she's an old friend. We opened a chair together so you can trust her. And Higgins replied, Going forward, pass my details on to Katie. I'm happy to talk to her. And then later that day, Shiraz reportedly told Higgins, Katie Gallagher messaged me. She's angry and wants to help. She's got the context. Says they knew something was wrong because they fired Bruce and not you. They avoided a scandal. So this is not reference to Bruce Lerman being fired for being in Parliament House for non-work purposes on on the night of the alleged rape. So there is a whole other layer to the scandal here, which is that there was a whole report into what Scott Morrison's office knew and when about the night in question, because we're talking about something that allegedly happened between two Liberal staffers in Parliament House in a Liberal minister's office, which was Linda Reynolds, outside of work hours.
0: And that is now the other part of the story here. What Labour knew when and what they did with the information, which goes back to a heated exchange in Senate estimates back in 2021, just after the allegations were made public, doesn't it, Rachel? No, Order. Yes. Order. No, no, She's just she making the mutation on the, on the hand side. I'd like,
1: we'd like to Yeah, that. Linda Reynolds was being questioned by Katie Gallagher and Penny Wong. And she said she was told by a Labor senator two weeks before the story broke what they were intending to do with the story in her office. I, I was told by one of your senators two weeks before um, about what you were intending to do uh, with the story in my office two weeks before. Oh. To which Katie Gallagher replied that no one had any knowledge of the story.
0: No, of this,
1: no one had any knowledge. Right.
0: So in 2021, at Senate Estimates, Linda Reynolds implies that Labor senators had knowledge of this allegation before Higgins went public with it. Gallagher responds by saying no one had any knowledge about it. On the surface, Rachel, these texts, they seem to throw some doubt on that statement. So is the allegation then that Gallagher misled the Senate?
1: That's the accusation. And that's the line that's being pressed by the opposition really hard this week. If it is the case that anyone, politician or journalist, weaponised and sought to politically profit from a rape allegation, then that is morally bankrupt. The significance of this is that Katie Gallagher is now a minister and the Ministerial Code of Conduct dictates that if you mislead parliament, you have to resign. Although she wasn't actually a minister at the time of the claim. Anthony Albanese has thrown his weight behind Gallagher and said the texts don't show that she misled the Senate. Katie Gallagher has not misled Parliament. Absolutely. She's a great finance minister and she's a great minister for the status of... Other Labor ministers have, have also backed her.
0: Katie is a person of enormous integrity.
1: Now, on Tuesday, Katie Gallagher gave a speech to the Senate responding directly to these allegations. She acknowledged she had some knowledge that Higgins was going to go public with her allegations... But she denies misleading the Senate. She said back in 2021, she was denying there was a Labor plan to weaponise Higgins' story against the Morrison government.
0: I was in no way involved with the timing in which this story was published or aired. Any allegation or assertion that I did is wrong and I reject it in the strongest possible terms.
1: And she criticised the way the text messages have been used politically.
0: The events of the past week with the media coverage, the questions surrounding the publication of a young woman's personal phone records that had been provided for use in a court, splashed across TV and newspaper, with opposition members giddy with the coverage, has done nothing but seriously damage this confidence.
1: But the opposition is not backing down on this, so it's going to be a very messy week in Parliament. And the media, particularly the conservative media, has not let up so this doesn't look like it's going away.
0: We'll be back after this. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending.
1: Like, you have this amazing meal that's this friendship, and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then, like, the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill.
0: I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This, as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest, Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for the Saturday paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. Rachel, at the heart of this story is whether or not any politicians sought to politically benefit from Higgins's story. So how will we get to the bottom of that? And what questions actually do need to be answered here?
1: A few. (laughs) You might remember Brittany Higgins made a personal injury claim against her former boss, Senator Linda Reynolds, which was settled and she got a payout from the Commonwealth. Now Reynolds is questioning how that payment came about considering Gallagher was finance minister at the time. And Reynolds is saying she's going to refer that settlement to the National Anti-Corruption Commission when it opens for business on July 1st. Opposition leader Peter Dutton has backed those calls, as have other coalition MPs. It remains to be seen whether this is the sort of thing the NAC will investigate or whether this referral is just sort of part of the political games going on here, trying to increase pressure on the government. But equally, there are still plenty of questions for the coalition to answer that we never got answers to. On the weekend, The Australian reported allegations by Reynolds' former Chief of Staff, Fiona Brown, that Scott Morrison himself actually misled Parliament over this issue. The question just goes to whether the Prime Minister has asked his senior staff member about the declaration made by Ms Higgins about whether that is accurate, whether he has
0: raised it with the member of his own staff.
1: Brown said that after the allegations became public... Scott Morrison told Question Time that he'd talked with Brown directly to find out if everything had been handled appropriately.
0: I've had conversations about the support provided uh, by the member of my staff now. Um, She, Mr Speaker, was working as the Chief of Staff to the Minister for Defence Industry at the time. I have discussed those matters with her and the support provided and she indeed has um, indicated to me um, some appreciation that was also provided to her at the time in the messages that were sent to her.
1: But she Um, says he never actually came to talk to her about it. And he simply came back from that question time in which he told Parliament that he had spoken to her and said, we've talked, haven't we? And she was really hurt when she realised that he was basically just making sure he he was covering himself for what he just said in Parliament. And on Tuesday, Morrison acknowledged that he may have misspoken when he said that in Parliament back in 2021, but he said he thought it was accurate at the time.
0: And Rachel, this story once again is deteriorating into political scandal, but at the end of the day, we have highly embarrassing personal text messages of someone who engaged with a police investigation Just what message is being sent, by the way, both our media and our politicians are using these text exchanges?
1: Yeah, it's a a sad reminder of the ways in which this story has become about so much more than Higgins. It's a battle of competing interests with the right-wing media doing whatever they can to tear down this woman and anyone who tried to stand up for her. There are so many people here claiming that they have Higgins' best interests at heart, but it's clear that a very wide range of people did not and still do not. And the opposition is now focused on using this to damage the Albanese government and turning the who knew what when questions back on Labor, even though we still don't have answers as to who in the Morrison government knew what when about the incident when it occurred in 2019. And none of this appears to be in any way in the public interest. It's all about political point scoring. And the whole thing just does so much damage to whatever limited trust victims are able to have in authorities to be able to have confidence that if they come forward and accuse someone of, of assault, that their private correspondence won't be used against them.
0: Rachel, as well, while any future trial was abandoned over fears for Brittany Higgins's mental health, it appears events are once again going to be prosecuted in the, in the court of public opinion. While it's not... Really, the overt purpose of the story and the reporting in the Australian, there are elements that go to Higgins's character. In one piece over the weekend, she was called power hungry. So, what messages that send generally about who we believe and who we don't?
1: Yeah, I think the conservative media has always been desperate to portray Higgins in this as some kind of nefarious plotter, because her allegations, which really kickstarted a reckoning, a very real reckoning in this country when it came to the treatment of women in politics and in the workplace, because it damaged the Morrison government so badly, they've they've always wanted to sort of paint her as some sort of opportunist. The Prime Minister's office allegedly began backgrounding against her partner very early on. We had another inquiry into that, in which the PMO found themselves innocent, and the Murdoch media has really lent into this idea that Higgins isn't the quote-unquote perfect victim because she didn't come forward straight away, but then she ultimately took agency and took control of the situation. And, yes, she clearly used some of her media skills to decide how and to whom to tell her story. So, at the end of the day, I think what those behind these leaks really seem to care about is trying to bully and shame Higgins and, by extension, any woman who tries to make allegations against powerful men or political entities. And that simply can't be allowed to stand.
0: Rachel, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Scott. Winnie Dunn has made a career out of helping others find their literary voice, and now it's her turn in the spotlight. This week on Read This, join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Winnie about her debut. Find it wherever you listen. Also in the news today, the driver of a bus that crashed after a wedding in the New South Wales Hunter Valley on Sunday, killing 10 people, has been granted bail. The 58-year-old man, Brett Andrew Button, was released with strict conditions yesterday. Police allege the vehicle was travelling too quickly when it entered a roundabout before overturning and hitting a guardrail. And the federal government has made a concession to try and get its Housing Australia Future Fund legislation through Parliament. Negotiations with the Senate crossbench and the Greens have been going on for months. Now, Labor is promising a half-billion-dollar-per-year spend on social and affordable housing from 2024. But it hasn't given way on the Greens' demand for a rent freeze. I'm Scott Mitchell. This is 7am. I'll see you tomorrow.